0: on the google play or app store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today
1: getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more save on select steel battery tools Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details.
3: As a guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days in the field. This show is about translating my hard-won experiences into tips and tactics that'll get you closer to your ultimate goal, success in the field. I'm Remy Warren, this is Cutting the Distance. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Spring is almost in the air, I can feel it. I, I'm looking outside, the sun is finally shining, even though it was just horrible storm yesterday. And most of the winter's hunting seasons have come and gone. But don't worry, because there's plenty of great hunting adventures to still be had. No matter where you live, I think there's probably a few of these things you can hunt near you. So this week, we're going to be doing something a little different. I'm going to be doing a countdown of my top five favorite spring hunts and give you some tips for finding additional success. I'll also probably be sprinkling in a few hunting stories along the way. So it's that time, bust out your boots, get your tick spray and your binos ready because we're gonna be kicking this off with a spring top five countdown. So here's how this is gonna work. I'm just gonna be counting down these hunts or in in my order, VH1 style. So I suggest you place your bets now on what I'm gonna say is number one and we'll see how close you get. So let's kick it off with number five right here number five on the cutting the distance countdown is turkeys. That's probably where I just lost 90% of the audience. Everybody's (laughs) turning it off. It's not that I don't like to hunt turkeys, but I think there's a lot of awesome things and other opportunities out there as well. I will say though, when most people think about spring hunting, turkeys is is the thing that comes to mind. I, I love hunting turkeys. It's a, it's a very fun hunt, especially because, It's something where you can be vocal. You can call them in. It is elk hunt-esque in that way, where you're calling to an animal, they're responding to a call, possibly a decoy. In many places across the country, they can be very challenging to hunt. And I would say this is the number one thing that most people chase in the spring. And out West, I think that uh, a lot of people hunt turkeys, but you don't find very many turkey hunters. So it's just something you do, but there's also a lot of other things that we like to chase. Over the last year during some of my international travel was obviously canceled because of the pandemic. So I got back into turkey hunting and I realized, wow, this is a very fun, addicting, awesome hunt. Uh, I figure I would give a couple of tips on some of the things. Um, most of my turkey hunting experiences is more big country, public land type hunts. And primarily I generally get to chase Miriams, which I don't think are the most challenging of turkeys. But I've chased Rios and, and other turkeys as well. I've yet to chase Easterns. I know the guys that hunt Easterns really say how, how difficult it is. And I think it's probably a lot because they get hunted a lot. Um, but yeah, maybe they are a smarter bird in the long run as well. Um, I know I can tell the difference between a Miriam's and a Rio just in the way that they act and the way that they respond to calls and the way that they, I would say, their skittishness around hunters. But. The, the cool thing about turkeys is, man, their eyesight is so keen that you really have to get that concealment, really practice keeping those movements limited, especially when they're coming in. One of my favorite ways to turkey hunt, because most of the places that I do turkey hunt are these larger areas, large tracts of public land or, or big ground. Um, and, you know, the key is to, to find the birds. So I kind of approach it like most big game hunts, you know, step one, getting into the field Doing my scouting and picking out that habitat where I think they're going to be. The thing that I hone in on on bigger country is just trying to find those roost trees. And I like to find country that holds turkeys, but has like less places where turkeys could roost. Um, so I try to narrow that down. I generally find uh, areas in more open or plains type country is where I kind of tend to gravitate toward but I've also chased a few mountain birds as well. And that's a lot of fun. Uh, the mountain birds are a lot more spread out. So what I do in all these cases is just like I would in any, hunt, I load up my pack, my binoculars, and I go and try to find where they're roosting. I'm looking for that sign, uh, generally tracks, and then try to figure out, pinpoint those roost trees, Um, It's it's very similar to what every most turkey hunters do wherever they're hunting places that have higher concentrations of turkeys or smaller private properties, where there's a lot of turkeys, you know, you might already have those roost trees pegged in Western hunting scenarios. And a lot of the turkey hunts that I've done, you know, it's public land, it's big areas, there's few birds, and it's a lot of miles in between those few birds. So it's a lot of looking for sign, looking for those good roost trees. I found that in areas of pine, a lot of piney areas, when I come across a big oak tree, uh, even in the mountains or whatever, or a cottonwood or some other kind of tree, I can find turkeys there more regularly roosting than in big pines. But I have in Montana and other places seen they roost in the more open trees like the ponderosas. Uh, And then I've been in like Eastern Nevada and you see them up in aspens or cottonwoods and then occasionally in a juniper tree. But the they tend to like those trees where they've got a little bit better view and feel a little more spaced out, bigger branches. So when I'm out in the daytime, I'm actually scouting for that roost tree, and that's a really good way to kind of hone in on, uh, take a, a big piece of area, and you go, okay, um, what am I looking for first? And I like to try to find those roost trees in the mountains. I found them more on ridge tops than anywhere else. So I'll follow the ridges and look for good trees that say, "Ooh, that's a good." possible roost tree. Then I go over to it and look for sign. If I see that sign, then I know a fresh, especially fresh sign, then that's where I'm going to try to look and try to scout that out in the evening, or even maybe go through that area in the morning and try to hone in on birds. I really like to gobble toward turkeys because I use it as a locator gobble, but in like bigger areas, I've found that I actually have a lot of success trying to get birds to me. I use my voice to gobble. I know some people think oh, well, if you're gobbling, like it's dangerous. The places I'm at, I've never actually seen other hunters. So it's, it's a lot different than where most people turkey hunt. Um, and that's the way that I like to do it. So I, I just throw out a a voice gobble, try to get those gobbles back early in the morning, right at that sunrise. Then I move in, I set up and I just do my standard turkey hunting thing. Like everybody else, try to call them into my, my setup after the fly down. And that tends to work really well but that's that's kind of the way that I think and approach like big country turkey hunting. And now if you're a diehard turkey hunter, if turkeys is number one on your list, it's really fun. I mean, I, you know, I talk about going out and exploring other areas. Um, try a, a, a big public land style turkey hunt. I think you'll ha- enjoy it. And there's probably something near you. You know, you might not have to go as far. There is a lot of great opportunity for turkey hunters out West because I think that they actually get hunted less because there's other things to chase this time of year. And we're going to jump into those other things as our countdown continues. All right, we're at number four. I want everybody right now to throw out a guess of what number four is. And I promise you're probably going to be wrong. If you get this, you need to let me know. Kudos to you. Number four in our spring hunt countdown is fish. I'm talking about well, any kind of thing you can shoot with your bow or spear. I know it, that one seems pretty random. You're like, man, that's not what I was thinking for a spring hunting countdown. And the turkey guys, the 10% of the 90% that didn't already tune out are now turning the dial to the next podcast. But wait, just wait, there's more. Um, I think that, uh, well, bow fishing is included in this. So I kind of thought, I'm going to lump it all together. Spear fishing and bow fishing. If you're near an ocean, I think spear fishing is uh, a very cool experience. It's underwater hunting and it's that spring summertime when other things start to slow down that I can go away and add some different kind of protein to my diet. Uh, For me, I I primarily live off of wild game. I never go buy meat that I bring into my house if I'm out and about or whatever restaurant or or someone's house. Yes, of course, I'll eat um, beef or pork or whatever. I do add pork into my diet uh, just for that extra bit of fat. And I do grind beef and pork fat into a lot of my wild game burger for that added fat. But the one thing that I love and I I try to always seek is is some kind of fresh fish. Uh, Spear fishing is a great way to get that protein. It is kind of specialized in the fact that you need some some gear spear gun I like to use a three prong which is just a, a sling with a, a rubber band and a post and I'll shoot some smaller reef fish with that and then you know the gun for some larger fish as well uh, spear fishing is a great way to just kind of add that fish to the diet and the springtime is a good time to do it but another thing that's maybe a little bit closer to more people is is bow fishing it's something that I like to do this time of year for us, it's mostly carp where I live. They start to spawn as that water temperature starts to move up and that gets them out of the deeper water and into the shallows. It's a really good time because you can either do it from shore, from a small boat, or even just wading in some flats. Anytime I can get my bow out is really fun for me. I like to use my recurve for bow fishing. It's great for that instinctive practice. And it's a great way if you're thinking about getting in to some form of bow hunting a way to actually get out and shoot at targets and have a good time before that fall season comes around and before you're really investing that time and energy into a big game hunt. It's something where you can get lots of shots. You can practice settling the pin in and and taking a shot at something and have fun doing it. A lot of the places that I go, they're overrun with invasive carp. So you're also doing a service to some of the waterways and some of the fisheries in that area. I know the place that I'm going to focus on this spring uh, was a pretty good fishery, and somehow carp got in there. In the last three to four years, they've just exploded. There's thousands of carp. It stunted the growth of other game fish. I mean, it's, it's actually kind of ruined the fishery. So it's a good way to kind of help knock down some of the invasive numbers and get your bow out and get some practice. One thing that I you want to think about if you're if you've never been bow fishing, you know the water ref- refracts. The way that you're looking at everything. So if you if you're looking at something at the surface, that's not actually where it is. Think about putting your finger in, like get a glass of water and stick your finger in there and look at it. It's like your fingers always moved over, looking at it through the water. One thing you want to think about is just always aim a little lower. I know that with spearfishing, things kind of tend to look larger, closer, whatever. But you can still aim the gun in a in a way that seems fairly natural, and your brain kind of will start to compensate and adjust for that. A couple of the specialized pieces of gear that you'll need for bow fishing are a bow fishing arrow, which is just a really heavy arrow. The reason it's heavy, so it's it's not going to be exactly on your regular sights with your regular arrow, but it's heavy so it doesn't go as far. It has that energy to shoot through the water and not refract when it hits the water. Uh, go through the carp and not necessarily bear you're hoping not to bury into the mud too much. That's one of the reasons that I use my recurve bow for bow fishing a lot because with the modern compound bows, I've got it cranked up quite a bit. So I've, I've had problems where you shoot your arrow at a carp and then it's buried way into the bottom of the lake and can be very difficult to get out. But bow fishing setup generally has that. And then a reel of some kind. Um, I like the reel it's more fishing reel style where I can just remember to click it open. So the bails open because you do not want to shoot that arrow with that bail closed. And then if you've got the opportunity to get to some ocean water or um, in Montana, one cool one is you can, there's a few lakes where you can shoot invasive pike with uh, a spear gun and spearfish for pike And the springtime's the best time to do it. Water's cold, but they're on the reds. They're cruising those shallows a little bit, and they can be a little bit easier to target, um, that time of year. If that's something that you're thinking about doing, um, I I definitely suggest it. It's a lot of fun. Spearfishing is a lot of fun. I would highly suggest, you know, doing a free diving course of some kind. I did a lot of free diving before knowing how to free dive and I did everything wrong. I would, I would hold my breath. I would dive down. I would hang out on the bottom a long time. And then I would let my air out as I, as I went up. One thing you want to think about is just always keeping your air in. You don't want to let your air out that oxygen's what's going to keep you alive. Um, and, it's crazy because humans do have this mammalian dive reflex where your body naturally kind of, uh, things change in your spleen, you release more red blood cells and, um, and you're actually able to utilize that oxygen better. Just like the same dive reflex that's in whales, that's in uh, otters, that's in all mammals that live in the ocean. Humans have that same dive reflex. And so it's pretty cool. It's a very natural thing to to be able to dive down but it can also be very dangerous so you want to make sure that you know the process go with somebody else and um and keep it safe but it is a really fun way to hunt underwater and i highly suggest it number 4 All right we are at number 3 number 3 i'm going to have to give to the wild pig I mean who doesn't love pork and wild pork i i love wild pork Um, there's nearly, I mean, almost every state, there is some opportunity available to hunt pigs. I know, um, there, there's a couple states, you know, more, the more arid desert states don't necessarily have it. I don't, there's a few in like random places in Nevada that mostly on private land and Arizona has javelinas, but not necessarily wild pigs. I know they say there's some in, in some places, but good luck finding them. Uh, however, most places across the U.S., do have wild pigs or somewhere to chase wild pigs within a state border or something away. Um, there's a lot of ways people chase wild pigs. I mean, uh, and I, and I've hunted many different ways, but I mean, there's guys, you can hunt pigs with dogs. You can hunt pigs by baiting a trap and then um actually just like taking that pig in and feeding it and then butchering it. Uh Night vision, it seems to be pretty popular. Uh, recently night vision or thermal imaging scopes guys hunt them from helicopters with ARs. But honestly, I think the best way to hunt pigs is spot and stock. And I love to do it spot and stock with a bow. Um, one of the tactics that I use, um, I've hunted pigs in a lot of different places, lots of different countries even. And, uh, one of the things, one of my favorite ways to hunt pigs is to go out on those hot days and look for those like really swampy creek bottom areas where the pigs are going to be laying up pigs get hot you know if you think about it even in the springtime i like chasing pigs in the spring because it's not as hot as it might be in the summer and it's not during that fall season i also really like chasing pigs in the spring because i feel like the meat's a little bit better it's kind of like spring bears where uh, they get all that that regen that new growth and the first part of a green up when those plants first sprout out that's when you're getting all the nutrients. Um, Later in the year, you know, you you, you don't necessarily like in places where you might have a fruit crop or a mass crop, like acorns, or um, I don't necessarily think acorns make the meat taste very good, but um, any other kind of nut, uh, you don't necessarily have that like in the springtime but what you do have is you have that consistent green up so it's like a high quality grass the pigs will root in that but they'll also get a little bit more nutrient I feel like the the meats always just better in the spring in my opinion and actually I, I don't mind um, pork in the in the summer as well although you do run into some other problems about getting the meat out and other things but I think that with that green up they're less likely to be feeding on dead animals that they might be in the fall time. Um, or other times of year, winter. So I I really enjoy the meat the springtime. And also it's like a great time of year to get out and maybe get yourself into a hunt where you can test out any new gear where you can get some stocks in the wild pig is like just an awesome animal to chase with a bow. But you know, it's great with a rifle, muzzleloader pistol doesn't really matter uh, what your weapon of choice is. But I think that if you're getting into bow hunting, especially, you know, there's a lot of people listen to a few uh, previous podcasts, getting into bow hunting, man, if you can get out on a wild pig hunt, it's an awesome time. Their, their sense of smell is really good, but their eyesight's not so great. Uh, They provide a lot of opportunity to get close. Um, Or if you're going, if you're a bow hunter, getting into traditional bow hunting, I actually just on a recent trip, uh, went out and got a, a small little Pig with my new recurve. And uh, it's just a really good way to get in, get close, get some practice, and also bring home some awesome meat. It's a fun hunt. So, one thing that I like to do, one of my favorite ways to hunt them is middle of the day hunting. And what I do is, you know, pigs are very like, they can be nocturnal, very crepuscular, moving in the mornings and the evenings. And then they just go lay up all day. If it's hot out, one thing that I found is they go into those creek bottoms and they kind of create these little wallows. So they'll just wallow like other animals like elk or whatever. So I, the first thing I do is I start following these little thick creek things and I start to find those wallows where I'm seeing a lot of sign. Um, I'll do that, you know, starting in the mornings or whatever, and then I'll, I'll kind of make a note, drop some pins on my map of where these wallows, where these pigs are concentrating. And then in the middle of the day, I still hunt through there and I just kind of creep around. I use my binoculars even close range because a lot of times you might have like a, a really dark colored pig laying in a really dark hole. They'll be tucked in. So I want to know where I think like these, these good wallows and these good spots are, and then I get the wind right and then slowly sneak in there. A lot of times they're sleeping or whatever, but they're, uh, going to be close shots. Then I either wait for them to stand up or, you know, sneak in, get a good arrow in there. And that's a lot of fun. That's a really good way to do it. And a good way to kind of narrow down, um, especially if you're hunting maybe bigger public tracks. Uh, there's some places in California where there's some wild pigs, you know, on more public type ground, it can be few and far between compared to some of the private stuff, but there are there are plenty of places where you can get in and use that tactic of kind of hunting those little midday wallows to getting in on some wild pork. There's
0: nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. who are in the business of keeping your car on the road and also keeping you happy. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. I use the O'Reilly by me. It's right in downtown where I live. And the team there is super knowledgeable. When you got questions, they're happy to help you out. It's a great store to go into. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts, they can test your battery for free in or out of your car. And don't ignore your check engine light. Ask for O'Reilly Veriscan today, a free diagnostic service exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Need your windshield wipers replaced, brake light fixed, quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop. To get some help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things do it yourself. And you can find what you need in the store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'Reilly Auto O R E I L L Y O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. We've all seen plenty
2: of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way that they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.
3: Here we go. In the countdown, we are now at number two. Number one and number two really gave me, I just had to go back and forth. And I, you know, it just depends on when you talk to me, what I think. I've got it written out how I had it and I'm almost thinking about changing it, but I'm going to go with number two, my favorite spring hunt, free range exotics. So what those are, there's populations of animals in the US and other places around the world that are not native here. They've been either released for the reason of hunting, the purpose of hunting, or escaped somehow. And they are really fun, big game hunts. The meat is generally incredible. The experience is incredible. And oftentimes the cool thing about free range exotics are the seasons can be um, almost year round in most places but also some of those animals during the springtime is actually an ideal time to hunt them before it gets hot, before, you know, other fall hunts kick off. It's a really good time to hunt. So I think I'll break down some of my favorite ones that I do a lot. Uh, maybe you've seen videos or follow on my social media. You'll see that I end up chasing axis deer a lot. There's a few reasons for that. One, there have to be probably one of the best tasting wild game meats out there it rivals elk in the fact that it's got a very mild, but awesome flavor. It's very tender. They're like, even just for the size of the deer, their backstrap is quite large. There's some animals that you're like, I mean, uh, Asiatic water Buffalo in Australia, giant, giant animal. Their backstrap is very small compared to the size of how like you just wouldn't think even a bison backstrap for their body size isn't as big as you think it should be. Yet you get a axis deer and you're like, holy cow! This is like a cow elk size backstrap. It feels like just deep and wide and like awesome cut of meat. That right there makes it worth the trip in itself. Now the other thing is, it's a species of deer that is extremely fun to hunt. So it puts it up there high in the countdown. But there's also a lot of other free range exotics, including uh, oudad, which is becoming very popular. I, I would always call that the poor man's sheep hunt, but it's getting pretty freaking expensive now. Um, however, there are some really good over-the-counter options in New Mexico to chase Audad. Uh, they're few and far between. It can be a very difficult hunt in some ways, but that over-the-counter Audad tag is a, is a fun hunt, and it's essentially like having any sheep hunt that y- you can find anywhere else, but it's over-the-counter. Uh, I highly suggest that that's a really good hunt to look into. Texas has, I would say if you're thinking about like free range exotics, the Mecca everybody knows is Texas. And yes, there are a lot of like high fenced places in Texas, but there's a lot of animals that have either escaped from those high fence places or been released or whatever that are roaming free in Texas. One thing that's I find funny is that elk are <laughs> considered a, a free range exotic that can be hunted year round in the state of Texas. The unfortunate part about Texas is most of it is locked up as private, but there are places that you can find, you know, where maybe you can pay a trespass fee. uh, You could do a guided type thing, which is always an option. And then there are a few draw hunts that you'll see. I apply for some of these hunts every year um, that include some wildlife management areas where you can hunt on. Uh, You just got to draw it. Now, another great state for some of these free range exotics is the state of Hawaii, Uh, various islands, Maui, Molokai, Lanai all have access deer. Maui's primarily private. And you know, I get a lot of questions about hunting Hawaii, where to go. Lanai is primarily private uh, or is all private, but there are some hunting opportunities there, you know, for fees and other things. And then Molokai has a lot of private, but also there's some other areas that you can hunt on pretty much all the islands. There's somewhere that you can hunt. And then other islands like Kauai have some goats and pigs and other things, some other free-range exotics. The goats are one that in Hawaii do a lot of damage to a lot of the native plant species, to a lot of the native wildlife, and they explode in populations. That's a really good one to get in on a hunt on. Um, It's especially great for bow hunting. I kind of think of it as like a good way to get good archery stocks practice in a scenario where there's a lot of opportunity and actually I think, uh, billies are pretty disgusting, but, um, <laughs> nannies or young goats are actually really good eating. One of my favorite ways to cook them. I kind of marinate them in, uh, guava nectar and then cook them up into like slow cook into like tacos and stuff like that. Beer at tacos are always awesome. So, uh, free range exotics takes the number two spot. I would say one of my favorite tactics for hunting anything in this, like, spring season or these exotics is you really just have to kind of figure out the the behavior of the species you're going after whether it's a owdad whether it's a axis deer whether it's a feral goat Um, understanding the types of habitat that they like and then where to look for them that's key you know the the axis deer they they do like that thicker cover they travel in in big groups and they like that more jungle terrain, whereas the Oudad like that more sheep country, those rocky bluffs, those outcroppings, they're very nomadic and they aren't necessarily tied to water. So picking your tactics as well based on that species. If I'm going Oudad, I'm going to say that is a major, that is probably one of the number one optics intensive hunts you could ever go on. It's going to be sitting down and looking for an animal that really blends in, covering a lot of country with your optics and your eyes. And then on the flip side, the way that I like to hunt axis deer is I like to still hunt. I like to move through areas till I find the concentrations in the areas that they're at. They can be fairly patternable because they're a herd animal. They kind of move with the herd for safety. So you can kind of figure out where that sign is, where they're at by doing a lot of still hunting, a lot of moving around, and then focusing in on those areas where they're concentrated. All right. Now we are down to the number one spot, the King of Spring. And this spot is going to go to, drum roll please, spring bears. Um, There is, I think for me or a lot of people, Western hunters, you know, when we think about spring, the reason that turkeys hits number five on the list is because we have other things to hunt. And that number one primary thing that people get to chase would be bears during the spring. There's spring seasons in uh, quite a few different states. Many offer over-the-counter tags. There are some states out west that only offer a fall hunt, but um, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming has some spring action. Utah has some spring hunts. There's a few good spring hunts out there where you can just pick up a tag over the counter and head out and hunt. Uh, One reason that I think bears kind of become the king of spring is because, you know, spring bear hunting is a very difficult endeavor to kind of really figure out especially when it comes to spot and stock there's lots of different tactics for hunting bears so let's just break it down like this here are the three main hunting tactics for bears it would be spot and stock it would be with hounds or it'd be baiting not all states offer all those options so some states like montana it's spot and stock only idaho offers uh, spot and stock hounds and baiting and then there's you know states with other combinations of whatever For most people, spring bear hunting generally tends to be spot and stock. I did a a two-part series last season, you can go back and find, about the spring bear hunting tactics. And I know that those have helped a lot of people kind of try to crack the code on spring bears. One thing that makes bears kind of at the top of the list for me is – you know, actually hunting them in the fall can be a lot more difficult than hunting them in the spring. Bears are, are concentrated on food sources. And so figuring out those food sources and like planning your hunt around that as things progress throughout the spring is a good way to hone in on bears. But another really cool thing about spring bears is just the terrain and the country they're in. It can be a mountain type hunt. It can be a very fun glassing optics intensive hunt. I kind of think of it very similar to like a mountain goat hunt early in the spring, because I like to get up in the high alpine and look for those new shoots when they're coming out or emerging out of their dens and hitting those first kind of bits of grass. And then as the spring progresses, I kind of change my tactics to the places I look and kind of go more off those logging roads and those other things. But it's also a great way to get out at this time of year and get into some areas where you might want to consider hunting in the fall. I use a lot of my spring bear hunting as scouting new areas. Every time I go on a spring bear hunt, I just kind of think of an area where uh, like this, this year, if I go out, I'm going to be picking a spot where it's like, oh, I have never hunted uh, elk in this spot. So I'm going to go scout it out for spring bears and then kind of start to learn the area for other hunts later on as well. I think in my mind as just a a Western hunter, when it comes to thinking about hunts and the springtime, bears is just at the top of my mind at the top of the list. It's an awesome hunt. And to be honest, spring bear meat is excellent. It's got a little bit of fat, but it's not too fatty, not too greasy. They're generally eating that new growth of grass and other things that for all intents and purposes, the beginning of the spring, they're primarily herbivores. Sometimes they'll get in the rock slides and try to get a uh, little squirrels and stuff. I've seen them gobble up moths on avalanche slides, but for the most part, they're really hammering dandelions really uh really nutrient buds of pine and or sorry um firs and other things just like the first green high nutrient growth that's what they're getting because they're trying to pack on weight after that hibernation so bear meat is really good in the spring i've never run across a spring bear that i didn't like i have had some fall bear that i thought was a little bit like meh okay but when it comes to bear meat, springtime, in my opinion, is the best. So there's a lot of things going for it. And that's why it hits my number one spot. I hope you guys enjoyed that countdown. It was just kind of fun to put together some, some things that I was thinking and and thought it might be something fun to switch up a little bit and, you know, kind of, kind of get people's minds shifted on some hunts coming up, some things in the near future. One thing I want to do for the podcasts for the rest of this month is I kind of got this idea of we'll make it based on the idea of train. So this month's podcast, I've got a great pack training program planned out where you can train like you're hunting and these weighted rucks will get you ready for any hunt this fall. I get a ton of questions of how do I get ready uh, or I live in flat terrain or I just want to make sure that I'm in elk shape uh, prepared for the pack out. What are things that I can do to stay fit? to be ready for that. So I've got some ideas for you guys for that. And then I think the other thing that I'd like to train when I think about a hunt and hole and what what makes success, being able to spot things is always high up on that list. So we're going to sharpen our eyes and I'm going to lay out a way to obtain eagle vision in the upcoming podcast. So feel free to tag me, uh, reach out on social media. You know, if you're listening today, if it's a Thursday, you're right in there on the first people listening as soon as it's uploaded. It might be kind of fun just to make your own list today. Uh, if If you want, maybe like put your top five spring hunts or fall hunts or whatever and tag me in it. I'd love to see where things rate for you. You know, one thing I didn't actually put on my top five list was fishing because we generally talk about hunting, but fishing's pretty high up on that list when it comes fall. Once that weather starts warming up, you know, I really love to bust out the fly rod or, or Grab a bass rod, head some water, some local lakes, some rivers, a lot of rivers uh, before they get blown out with the runoff. But uh, man, it's an awesome time of year to just get out and recreate and do some fun stuff. But feel free to tag me in those. I'd love to see your guys' top five lists. And today, if you if you do that, I'll I'll, I'll try to see those and share some on my Insta story. And then feel free if if you completely disagree with my list, tell me why turkey should be at the top. I'm, I'm all ears. Um, uh, have hope you guys have a great rest of your day and I will catch you all next week.
2: Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit
1: SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details.